What's up, church planters and church planting enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. And you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you are a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team, or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. How's it going, Matt? It's going good, brother. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. Awesome. It's the last episode of 2018. Last episode of 2018. Season it is one. Christmas time. It is Christmas time. Cadence, our three-year-old, is on the Santa Claus kick. What? Aren't all three-year-olds on a Santa Claus kick? What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, I should probably elaborate. So none of our kids ever got down on the Santa Claus train because, uh, you know, we're... We just never, we, you know, every parent's got to kind of make this decision. But for us, like from the very beginning, we were just like, ah, oh, we're never going to really, we're not going to let our kids have fun. We're not going <laughs> to let our kids believe in a mythical creature that comes down the chimney. No, we, for us, like we just, we, we just said, you know what, we're just going to talk to them about it early on when they start asking and stuff. And, you know, we communicated to them like, don't obviously don't ruin other little kids dreams, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, mom and dad, get your gifts. This is about Christ. It's not about Santa or whatever. But we've never said, like, Santa Claus is evil. <laughs> nothing, yeah, n- yeah. Nothing sure. like that. But Cadence is our first one. <laughs> she won't give it up, man. Like, so she was like, um, she's like, Santa Claus is going to bring me my baby a wife doll. He's going to put it in my stocking. <laughs> and we're like. I love your Cadence impressions. Yeah. And, and Isaac's like, Cadence, Christmas is about Jesus. And about his birth and stuff, you know, and she's like, yeah, that's, that's all good, but Santa Claus is going to come bring me my baby life. <laughs> so we're at breakfast yesterday morning, and we keep on, like, you know, trying to just to share with her and stuff. And um, we're at breakfast yesterday, and it's snowing outside, you know, and um, and Sienna opens up the back window, and she's like, oh, it's snowing outside, Daddy. And and Kate is like, oh, Santa can't come bring my baby wife off. It's snowing. <laughs> And so we were just like, you know what, whatever, <laughs> you know, we're not, you know, so what, you know, Gavin was like, mommy, daddy bring, give us gifts, you know, and, and Jesus is Christmas about Jesus. And, and she's like, yeah, but Santa's going to bring my baby wife doll. And so we're just like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like, how old were you? Did I just, did I just crush your dreams? Did did. I, you did. Actually, you did a couple of episodes ago, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. How old were you when you stopped believing in Santa Claus? I don't remember, man. I, I yeah. I'm sure I was like five or six. Yeah. Like that. So yeah. 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 The the rumor mill at the at the elementary school started going around. <laughs> you know, that's where everybody's dreams got oh, crushed. Oh man, so, that's funny. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it. If you were to put, you know, Santa Claus that whole deal into any other context, it'd be awfully creepy. You know, like you got an old man <laughs> yes. who like sneaks into your house through your chimney and he eats your food and leaves yeah. presents behind. Yeah. Like that's kind of weird, isn't it? And we go to shopping centers to sit on his lap and take pictures. <laughs> it gets weirder and weirder the more you talk about it. <laughs> and he's got little elves that help him. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, don't, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> I do like that. Eric always makes fun of me because I like that Tim Allen Santa Claus movie, the original. Oh, one. yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. She, she's That's like, not a bad movie. Oh, man. I like it. I like it. My favorite Christmas movie is Elf. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that. I, I like Elf, too. I, I saw last week that Elf was made in 2003. Golly. Was it really? Yeah, man. Man. 15 years like ago. That long ago. 15 years ago. Wow. Wow. That's hey, crazy. let me ask you another Christmas okay. question. 
all our listeners out there, are they going to really start to hate us or love us? What's your opinion on Elf on the Shelf? Um, so I'll be honest. Um, I don't really know much about it. Yeah. So I, like my opinion is that I don't care and I don't, <laughs> uh, you know, like what I, man, would I participate. No, I wouldn't. People participate. go to some crazy extremes with that. Thing. Like, isn't it like people like trick their kids and the elf shows up in different places doing different things. Like when they wake up in the morning, kind of a deal <laughs> yeah, and they man. make their kids think that the elf is alive at night or something. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that scare your children? I don't know, man, but like he, if yeah, you're, if you're listening to this and you do that to your kids, you need to <laughs> repent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Yeah. There's different ones out there. Um, I saw this like GI Joe. It was like what it, he had like a wet paper towel like draped over the elf on the shelf's face. Oh. <laughs> he, he at the sink he was like waterboarding the oh. elf on the shelf. Yeah. I was like, oh man, wow. But, but yeah, but but they but they do that. So like they'll they'll put them in like uh, precarious situations. You know, it's like oh that oh the elf on the shelf got in the cookies. You know, <laughs> you know. But I, people really get into it, man. It's it's pretty it's pretty uh pretty funny. Yeah. I- Hey, to each their own, man. To each their own. Whatever what, one thing, about. you're going to learn this one day when you guys have children. One thing you will learn is that everybody parents a little different. Everybody everybody does has different traditions. You know, there was a kid, uh, we were at this Christmas party the other night, um, and there was a kid like freaking out, you know, at the party. And, yeah. and uh, was an older couple was talking to Eric and I, and, they were, and I was like, oh, I was looking around. I was like, is that my kid, you know? And she, and she put this this older lady. She put her hand on me. She said, "No, it's not yours. All yours are accounted for." And um, I said, "You know, you go through that phase when you first become a parent. You know, like uh, or before you have kids, and like you're in the grocery store and the kids freaking out. Oh my gosh, would somebody take care of that child? You know. <laughs> and then you have a kid, and then your kid's that that kid doing it. And then you know, after four, you're just like, ah, you know what? God bless you. Yeah. I was at the grocery store the other day, and this mom had three kids, and they were all freaking out on her. And I just went up to her and I said, you know what? You're doing a good job. That's a it's a tough life, isn't it? Yeah. And she just kind of smiled and said, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, anyways. Yeah. Elf on the shelf. Elf on the shelf. Yeah. What if Jen's this is not an official endorsement? What if Jen starts doing elf on the shelf? She wouldn't. That's not that Jen's not like that. <laughs> Me and Jen are like really like totally on the same page in almost everything oh, in life. That's what I love about yeah. her. Yeah. She gets me. She gets you. And I get her. What are we talking about today? Man, we're going to be talking about the five things that can derail any church plant. And well, let me, these aren't the five things. There's certainly more than five, but these yeah. are five of the most important things. And these are things that kind of, we were having a, for our listeners, we were having a meeting, a network meeting last week, I think, uh, with all of our, uh, all the pastors in our yeah. uh, church planning network up here in the Toronto area. And Matt just kind of started talking about some of these things off the cuff. And I was like, hey, this is kind of good. I'm just going to make some notes. And it turned into an episode idea because I thought this would be a, a great episode topic. And it's a good way to, I think, to end our our first season because, I mean, there's some of the things we're going to talk about in this episode, mm. we've, we've sort of covered, you know, yeah. maybe in the past, but... Uh, it's just a good way to have a general overview of man how to guard your how to guard your heart and to guard your life uh, and to guard uh, yourself as you lead uh, other people in your church plant and uh, it'll be a good way to kind of carry us into season number two since season yeah. one is coming to a close and by the way before we do jump in I did want to let our listeners know now that this will be uh, the last new episode that's it's going to be airing on Monday the seventeenth of January so if you're listening to this. It's December 17th or later. We will not have uh, an episode on the 24th 
or the 31st. So uh, January 6th will be our next episode. When is season one coming out on Netflix? Well, you see, we haven't ever videotaped ourselves, <laughs> oh. so I don't know if that's Oh, be people tell me I'm not tech savvy, and they say things like that, and I believe them. Yeah, you're not. I'm not either. So that's what that's what my wife is for. Yeah. She like she's if without her we wouldn't be able to do this. That's right, man. She literally sets this stuff up. She's for legit. Me. Yeah, she sets us legit. up. She does. So, anyways, uh, guys, we just want to thank you for those of you who've been listening faithfully uh, mm-hmm. over the first season. Uh, like, thank you uh, for that. Thank you for all the encouraging uh, just emails yeah. that we've gotten over the past. Like, it really does uh, mean a lot to us. You know, the kind words you guys have sent in and. Uh, this is cool for us to just be able to speak out of our experience and talk, share what we're learning. And we, uh, like we say, we really pray that it's a blessing to you and that it's beneficial to you and that it's helpful for you. Uh, and we love interacting with you. And, um, you know, as the new website rolls out in the new year, we're going to have a lot more, uh, hoping to have a lot more interaction with you guys. And uh, we want to, we're even going to have like, I think a phone number where people can call in and leave voicemails and their voice can be famous by getting wow. in the trenches. Wow. So yeah, don't listen. Hold on, hold on. If you're driving, don't get too excited. Don't get in a wreck. We'll settle down. But I know it's exciting. But you know, you need to take deep breaths. Take deep breaths. And and we'll, we're gonna get through this. It's gonna be good. <laughs> All right. So the five things that will derail any church plant, Matt. The first one that uh, that you talked about last week was to compromise. Mm. Compromise and. And I think there's this is a two pronged thing, okay? There's compromising in your character or, yeah. or moral compromise, and then there's doctrinal compromise, right? Yeah. Uh, compromising in in our beliefs, in our in our faith. Yeah. Um. So why don't you speak into that, man? Why Why is that one of the uh, the things that can derail any church plant? Well, you know, man, I I think that um, and just a little bit of background to these, you know, that we're going to talk about today. I was just praying, you know, last week and just spending some time with the Lord. And I did, he just kind of put these on my heart and the things that I keep on seeing, you know, over the years in ministry. And even most recently, you know, like in the past five or six years in church planning, these are the things that, that keep on popping up, you know, and I started compromise, you know, we started compromise because it, it all begins there, you know, mm-hmm. um, not being people, not being men of integrity, not keeping your word, yep. um, lying, half truths, you know, um, having things, uh, not being transparent, not being open. Uh, the Bible talks about what's done in the darkness will be brought to light. You know, Mm -hmm. just, those are the kinds of things when we talk about compromise, it starts, it it never starts big, you know, or never starts, you know, like, I'm going to rob a bank today. I mean, you know, like very rarely, I I think there's there's like the guy who holds up the casino starts Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it it probably starts with like stealing from parents at a, as a younger age and then working your way up, you know, to, to petty theft or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so compromising on the little things. And in church planning, you know, specifically, it's so easy to cut corners. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to cut corners. Um, it, it's, you know, you talked about uh, compromising doctrine. It's so easy to sit across the table from somebody, you know, as a potential partner and not giving a, a not giving an honest answer to, to your theological you know, allegiance and, and how you're aligned or whatever, how you view scripture, yeah. you know, and because you want to land that partnership. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Yeah. That's compromise. Mm-hmm. And guys don't look at it as compromise. They look at it as, you know, kind of playing the game or whatever. But even that terminology, even that that mindset of I'm going to play this game to to land this partnership or 
or I'm going to say or do this to grow my church. It's compromise. Yep. And so I think I think there's different facets of compromise, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. but those are the ones I would start with. Not doing, not keeping your word. You know, saying you're going to be at a meeting a certain time, you you don't show up. You, you're always. I, I've I've had this problem. I, I had a guy that was constantly late all the time, all the time, and uh, finally one time he showed up late, and I said, um, "Hey man, you know I don't think it's really working out." And um, he said, "Oh no, like why?" And I said, "Well, you're late all the time to every meeting." And he's like, yeah, that's just kind of my thing. I said, it's not my thing, man. <laughs> I said, you know, my time's valuable. Mm-hmm. I said, it's the most precious commodity. I said, I have a family with kids. I said, you know, I, I have the privilege to lead a church, to write sermons, to lead a network. I said, you know, man, I'd love to pour into you, but I can't if you're not going to value this time. And we and we didn't have a problem with it afterwards. Mm-hmm. But those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Yep. And as brothers in Christ, a lot of times we allow one another we see compromise and we allow it to take place Yeah. instead of speaking into it. So that's where I would start. How about you? Yeah, man. Um, uh, well, I think that compromise, um, at least moral compromise usually starts with isolation. Usually starts when, yeah, that's good. you know, guys start to uh, not have other people who are really checking in on them. Yeah. Um, and I think church planters are especially susceptible to it because again, like we don't, you know, we don't we don't have an office that we're we're going into. We're not you know clocking in, clocking out, and a lot of times we don't have immediate supervision at mm-hmm. all. Um, you know, even if we're a part of you know like we're part of the Send Network, but yeah. you know our Sin City missionary Brett Porter, he's not like calling us up to like <laughs> you know make sure we had a quiet time this morning. Isn't right? that funny? Like, just thinking about that, like what if Brett was like, "Hey man, what are you doing with your time today?" <laughs> yeah, we'd I mean, be like, "Why are you be, calling be like, me?" Yeah. Like, what's it to you, bro? No, it's- <laughs> Yeah. What are you doing with your time today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's not his role, right? That's right. not his, it's not, you know, like I think that it's expected, like one of the, one of the things that's expected for us as church planters is that we're going to seek out that accountability and mm-hmm. we're going to implement it in our lives because we know that we need it. Like, and I don't think you're like, I, I can't speak for every church planning organization, but I know that the Sin Network would never endorse and, and, and approve a planter who they didn't feel was going to do that. Right. Uh, But the reality is, is that um, guys, I think a lot of times we'll start off that way and they'll drift away from it. Um, Eugene Peterson died this year. Yeah. And um, you know, Eugene Peterson, uh, he summarized the Christian life as long obedience in the same direction. Right, man. I really like that. He had a ton of those really good one liners. He did. He did. I think that's just such a great description yeah. of what of what the Christian walk is because I think so many so many times you know like uh, I, we'll we get excited and I'll see these you know kind of flash in the pan you know things happen in people mm. where they'll get really fired up really excited for a short time and they sputter out because like the you know I was just reading this morning in my quiet time uh, the parable of the sower you know they didn't have roots they didn't have deep roots they were in rocky yeah. soil and so yeah. uh, as soon as you know. Uh, opposition comes, they just kind of wither away. That's right. And I think, you know, a lot of times that's what happens in, um, you know, church planners' lives is that they don't have roots. They don't have somebody checking in on them. They don't have, uh, they're, they're not uh, healthy. Yeah. And so uh, they're not set up for long obedience in the same direction. You know, man, we talk about compromise. You, you hit on something that's really, really important, I think, which is accountability is what we're talking about now. And, um, you know, I think of I think of two examples. Um, even since we've been here, I remember there was several years ago there was a guy that came up from the states to to plant here in Canada, and he's from the deep south. Came up, and 
man, everybody was going on and on. This guy's going to do this. This guy's going to do that. Da, da, da. And I remember thinking, you know, and I remember telling my wife, you know, Erica's like, I, we're, we're almost setting these guys up for failure, first of all, because like we're, we don't know what they're going to do in this context. Yep. Like, let's just let it play out kind of yeah. thing. And, um, and this guy refused to listen to anybody on the field. Like he, you know, moved into a, moved, <laughs> moved into a context that was completely just did not fit him, um, here in the GTA, uh, never was able to get any real ground. His family was not on solid ground. Uh, marriage was not on solid ground and, and it just had all kinds of different challenges. Long, long, long story short, he was here six months went back and I don't even think he's in ministry anymore. There's another guy that came and he was going to do a residency with us mm -hmm. at the fellowships and he had planted a church before uh, in another country, uh, successfully, I believe. And he was just kind of doing his own thing with us just kind of doing what he wanted to do and and when that uh when his you know for lack of better terms like his spiritual authority that pastor that that sending church like you know here in our network asked him hey man you know you're supposed to be here what are you doing mm -hmm. he's like man i play and his response was like i've 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 pastored a church before like i don't need somebody like telling me what to do oh boy yeah and we were like okay like <laughs> red flag timeout mm -hmm. and so we took a pause and we journeyed for a bit with him and we said you know let's agree to disagree in part mm -hmm. ways now yep. because this isn't going to work because not all of us myself included are all under spiritual authority mm -hmm. and when somebody doesn't want accountability compromise is always around the corner yeah it's always around the corner i was thinking this morning and even just just uh one i've told you this before like I've always, I always loved the preaching ministry marcher school. Mm -hmm. And so like so many other people, you know, um, I, I wasn't shocked when all that stuff came out. Yeah. I was shocked at the extent of all the things that came out. But what was to your point, he was, he was isolated yep. as a leader. Yep. He had begun to take away authority, if you will, from his elder team, yep. push, push out, literally pushed out two elders that would, that, that, that was going to cause a stir mm -hmm. to go against him. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for him. Yep. And it's it's a good word for all of us. And man, I I think he's on I think he's on the road to I think he's planted church down out west and mm -hmm. seems like they're doing well and stuff. And I pray he's, you know, been um, you know, reconciled back to the body and all those kinds of things. But my point is this when you when you isolate yourself as a leader and you don't want accountability, you know, compromise is always around the corner. Yep. I, I think that it happens every time, you know. I mean we Bill Hybels is another example. Yeah, of, look at all the this guys year. this year. I mean, he was, you know, uh, he had come to a place, and I don't think it started out this way for him. I, you know, I think he started out in, in a good place, but as that church grew and as they experienced success, uh, he became untouchable, yeah. right? And nobody could tell him anything. Yeah. At that. And when you get to that point and you become untouchable, it's just not good. And some guys start start out that way. Like, you know, we tell people this all the time. Like if you want to get into church planting because you just want to do church your way, then you should ne not do it. And you should run far away from people that want to do that. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now um, called defining deception by Costi Hen, who is mm. Benny Hen's nephew. And yeah. like, he was like all up in that stuff with, American you know, Benny Hen. Stuff. Um, He's in that. Yeah, he's one of the guys that gets yeah, interviewed yeah. in that documentary, but uh, it's an awesome book, by the way, um, and an important book, I think. But one of the things he talks about is he's he's kind of giving a history of 
kind of these these false teachers and how that movement kind of grew the yeah. uh, you know that the name it and claim it movement kind of yeah. kind of grew in the history and one of the things i noticed in the little kind of biography of every single one of those kind of fathers of the uh, name it and claim it uh, faith they all uh, were resistant to authority oh, in yeah. their life every single one Absolutely. of them wanted to go rogue and yeah. i like it never ever ends well for rogue agents who no. ultimately, you know, like I can't fit in in this network. I can't fit in in that church. I don't fit in this denomination. I'm just going to go do my own thing because nobody else is doing it right like me. Yeah. And I'm doing it biblically or I'm doing, you know, I'm really practicing, you know, you know, church plan the way it's supposed to, or I'm really doing this. It's just like. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, uh, it really is. Like, and you—it's only, unfortunately, only a matter of time if you keep going that direction until you're going to shipwreck. You know, John Piper said that one of the first things he did at Bethlehem was <clears throat> to set up um, a structure where he was not the guy. Yeah, and you know, and 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 he says to his credit, you know, he's yes, he's one. Of, he was one of twenty, now thirty. I think it's forty now. Um, and I don't know when he's saying that that's his elder, but that's a big elder board. Um, it's a bigger church, of it's course, a big church, yeah. but, um, but he says, you know, I'm one of those, but it's, it's, it's so funny to me. You know, Jesus says, if we want to, um, if we want to gain our life, we have to lose it. Mm-hmm. It's the same with spiritual leadership mm-hmm. and authority. If you really want to gain influence, if you really want to leverage that role, that leadership role, you have to almost lose it in a way. Yep. And when you mm, when you so surround good. yourself so with people, and when you build yourself a when you when you when you don't make yourself the guy that makes all the decisions, people will respect you more. Mm-hmm. And when you build up a team around you to to make those collective decisions together, they will you will have even more persuasion because not because of necessarily just who you are, but because you walk with the Lord, people mm-hmm. see that. They see, they see you love Jesus. They see you want what's best for the entirety of your, your organization, your, your ministry. And so that's, it's a wise thing that he said, you know, but to understand also that you're, you're going to have, you're going to have a, a bigger voice. You're yeah. going to have a bigger persuasion and to understand, understand how that is. But, but yeah, if you don't set up that accountability, you know, compromises around the corner. And I agree, you know, these guys that, um, that want to go rogue or they, you know, their, their boards are always, it's like, well, who's, who's, you know, who ultimately makes decisions of, and they always point back to that guy, Yep. you know? So yep. it's, it's dangerous. It is. It's very dangerous. Yeah. I think, uh, just before we, we leave the, the compromise topic, one more thing that I just wanted to speak to, uh, the doctrinal compromise. Um, I think that, uh, sometimes, uh, I really think that most doctrinal compromise uh, comes from a well-intentioned place yeah. originally for for church planners, uh, at least you know guys that start off on the right track. I mean, there's some people that just start off wacky in the first place. Yeah. They're all you know, um, you know, people that we wouldn't necessarily you know be in the same camp with. But right. uh, I think that even in you know like within Southern Baptist circles, for example, there are guys that will start off from a well-intentioned place of wanting to reach the lost and wanting to reach people uh, in their culture. And so leaders will yeah. bend the truth a bit uh, to get more people in the door because especially in church planning, if you're planting in a hard place, like I've felt that pinch before of getting to a point where you, you know, you're, you're 
throwing everything you can, at, at, you know, trying to, uh, you know, like we say, throwing the kitchen sink at lostness yeah. in the community, you know, yeah. and you're just not seeing the, the fruit that you thought you were going to get. You're not seeing the results. And so it's, I, I get where guys would, would go, I've got to do something yeah. right. And then want to start compromising and want to start, you know, changing up the way that they're maybe doing things or maybe steering clear of it. it sometimes doctoral compromise can just be not saying some things. It might not be saying yeah. the wrong things, but it's, it's withholding from addressing some, you know, some truths. Yeah. I think, you I mean, you know, like, man, I think, I think for me, the moral compromise has always been so much easier than the doctrinal compromise because, you know, uh, whether it's lust or, or to wasting time or whatever it might be that I, that I personally struggle with, you know, it's always been easier for me because I've always had, you know, I have a unique testimony where when I came to Christ in 2007, you know, God freed me of a lot of that pharisaical, keep all these rules, you know, cause that's the life I was living, preaching the gospel as a lost man for six years. Mm -hmm. And so God really gave me a lot of freedom. He delivered me from a lot of that. And I knew where the power lied at that point. I knew like I was never not going to preach the full counsel of the word of God, yep. no matter how difficult it was, no matter how hard it was. I was never going to sit across from a parishioner and tell them, oh yeah, you can keep doing that. And God's going to be happy with you to keep them in my church. Yep. Like, so I've never wrestled there's now there's, there's, you know, there's always that, that option, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, to say, yeah, I can completely go off the rails mm -hmm. here. You know, none of us should, should think that we're, we're, we can't do that mm -hmm. because we're all acceptable, susceptible to that sure. as, as human beings. But, but you're right. I mean, there's in church planning, you know, whatever it might be doctrinally. Um, again, I've heard guys say, well, uh, you know, I align with this camp. But then you look at their theology, or they say they're Southern Baptists, or they say they partner with an organization, or whatever. But then you look at the things they do, and you're like, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that is that compromise? It is, in my opinion, yeah. because you're saying one thing, but your, your proxy looks different sure. than what comes out of your mouth. Yeah. I guess I, and I also wanted to clarify, too, that I don't, uh, when I say I understand why guys can go in <clears throat> that direction, I, I don't say that I, I'm tempted to go in that direction. I think yeah. anybody that knows me <laughs> knows it's quite the opposite, actually. Um, I, uh, I tend to, I tend to get, uh, people upset at me for being a little too <laughs> yeah. opinionated sometimes yeah. about things. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I totally, totally agree with you, man. Um, so, well, I think we've kind of covered compromise and yeah. I, I think that this is uh lucky listeners. I think this is going to end up turning into a, a two episodes actually, <laughs> because we're, we're 26. Six it's a deep it, it's a deep subject it really things. is like we could do an entire episode on each one of these honestly yeah. so we're, we're kind of just surveying each one yeah. so uh let's number two is uh of you know talking about things five things that can derail any church plant number two is when you choose not to lead yourself well what do you matt go ahead and just describe for our listeners what we mean by not leading yourself well yeah, I, I think there's this new, man, I don't know how new it is, but like, you know, I hear these things from planners, you know, they're like, I'm working, I'm, I'm working like 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, 100 hours a week. Mm. And, you know, th that's not spiritual. It's stupid. Mm. You know, I mean, that is that, that I don't know how that honors God, especially if you have a family. So when I say leading yourself, well, we talk about physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, you can't stand before God's people and preach with authority or preach the word of God 
you know, with boldness or conviction or whatever, if you're not in the word of God, you know, so, so much out of what we communicate on a Sunday morning, it's out of the overflow of our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. John 15, five is our family's life verse. And, you know, when we abide in Christ, that's, that's our operating system, if you will, with which everything else runs. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not abiding in Jesus, everything becomes plastic. The ministry that we touch people with is not genuine and it's lacking power. It's lacking fire, if you will. It's not from above. It's from the flesh. The Bible tells us everything we do in the flesh will not build the kingdom. It will not last. Um, And so that's what I'm talking about from that perspective. Just some, you know, real basic, you know, uh, not sleeping well. Physically, we talk about physically. I mean, you know, my story, I've, I've wrestled with sleep all my life. You know, not not sleeping well, um, you know, physically not eating well, not exercising. You know, that's something I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to take better care of my body, eat better, you know, not trying not to, to consume uh, so much caffeine, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so I can get into good sleep patterns. Yeah. Um, n- not so much sugar. You know, I think there's a lot of addictions. Because yep. especially as Baptists, <laughs> you know, we're like, well, you know, don't drink, uh, you know, don't drink hard liquor, don't smoke cigarettes, you know, but you can eat all you want of that ham, you know, and it's like it's yeah. kind of the acceptable sin, mm-hmm. you know, gluttony, potlucks, ice cream socials, <laughs> yeah, potlucks, ice cream socials, oh, yeah. So you know, taking hey, care man, of yourself. When I was when I was, a, when I was a youth pastor, yeah, and, like Cross Plains, Texas, and we'd have the yeah. ice cream socials and the. You know the the older ladies would bring in their homemade ice cream. Oh yeah, man! You could eat, you could eat a gallon of ice cream. Oh my goodness! Easily, it's so easy too. You know, so um, I mean, you know this because you guys had just now come up, but I mean, about three years ago, man, I burned out hard. Mm-hmm. Like I burned out really, really hard emotionally. I had nothing in the tank. I had nothing left to give. I never felt like that in my entire life. And um, you know, I was depressed. Uh, had so much anxiety. Uh, I felt sick all the time. I wasn't sleeping. And, you know, looking back on it, I, those first three years, man, we just put the pedal to the metal up here and we didn't stop. And it hurt me. It hurt my family. Mm. Um, you know, God's been gracious through a lot of that, but, um, you know, I'll never, I'll never coach another guy to do what I did because it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the, now here, Jared, here's, here's the temptation we look at that stuff and we say, whatever it takes. No. You do whatever it takes to get these churches going. Mm-hmm. And we've got sending churches that perpetuate that. No. You do whatever it takes. Yeah, you work those 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You work. That's heroic. You know, but again, mm-hmm. I don't know if that is. No. I don't know if it honors God doing no. those kinds of things. So, And I think that a lot of that comes because, you know, we've taken this uh, kind of like corporate mindset from the secular world yeah, and we right. put it into, you know, the, the church planting world and the, and the church growth, you know, world. And we've taken principles that are used to start and grow a business. And we've applied <clears throat> that to, this is how you start and grow a church, yeah. um, which is not biblical. And, and I don't want to jump the gun cause we are going to talk about abiding in Christ here in a little bit. Um, uh, but you already kind of alluded to it that, that, I mean, you can grow, uh, something, with those means, yeah. but it's not a church of Jesus Christ. Right. You know, like with that stuff, like that's not, that stuff doesn't grow a, a, the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, it grows something else. You might put some butts in seats, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but ultimately like, you know, if you're, if your mindset is like, I've got to work more, like, does that sound like the gospel nah. like, at all? Like, like yeah. this, 
that just doesn't even sound like it fits in the New Testament yeah. or the Old Testament for that matter. Yeah, I was listening to my pastor, Chuck Herring, preach last night at the gym when I was working out. And he's preaching in this Christmas series, he's preaching on peace, Isaiah 9. And he's talking about how, you know, we everybody, peace is available to anybody and everybody wants it. Yep. And, you know, I meet so many church planners, man. They have no peace. Mm-hmm. They're so worn out. They're so exhausted. And, and, and um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Does that sound like the gospel? Yep. The gospel is freeing. The mm-hmm. gospel is life-giving. Yep. The gospel is not life-sucking. Yep. And um, so I, we talked about this a few weeks ago just in our time together. You know, I, I don't think ministry should be as sorrowful and difficult and draining as mm-hmm. we oftentimes make it out to be. So I think there should be a lot of joy in it too. What what would you say about how to lead yourself well, like emotionally, mentally, time management, all those things? So uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I've struggled basically my entire adult life with depression. Yeah, right? it's something that I've you know struggled off and on with, and I got saved when I was twenty four, and God really um, delivered me from a lot of that. Um, but I've, I've still to this day, you know, I struggle with depression. And so I, uh, full disclosure, like I take medication for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've done counseling in the past when I felt like I've needed it, you know, like there was a point during our church planning journey here where I really hit a low point. And, and I think most people do, whether they're clinically yeah. d- diagnosed with depression yeah. or not. I think every planter kind of goes through that phase at some point where they just hit a wall of exhaustion or of discouragement or whatever. Yeah. And they just, they need a break. Sometimes, you know, some call it burnout. Yeah. Some, I think you, you experience true burnout. Yeah. Uh, I think not every, I think sometimes we call burnout what's actually just, you're just tired. Yeah. Or you're just, just a little just discouraged. A you're not burned out. You just, you might be on your way there. Yeah. Um, if you don't change some burnout's pretty, pretty significant and serious. Like you need yeah. a sabbatical to recover yeah. from that kind of thing. Yep. And you guys took a sabbatical. That's right. Um, yep. so, but, uh, when I was, uh, when I first really, uh, started, uh, getting help for that, I had a, uh, a counselor one time and he just told me to start, you know, in addition, obviously to seeking the Lord with all my heart, he told me to, to do four things. Um, and like there's four areas of our life. There's, there's our physical, uh, our social, uh, our, uh, mental and our spiritual, um, mm. components. And we need to be like kind of exercising all four of those. So, Three, this is, I still to this day, probably 10 years later, I still make it a point to do these things every week. I do at least three hours of exercise a week, yep. at least 15 minutes of reading a day. I spend time in prayer and in God's word every single day. Mm-hmm. And then at least once a week, I call uh, somebody that I don't talk to on a regular basis and just, just to connect with people. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I think that uh, just simple steps like that. Like mm-hmm. if you're not doing those things and you're not feeling healthy physically or emotionally or, yeah. or, or spiritually, like just building those things into the rhythm of your life can go a long way towards helping you. You know, man, um, it's been said a bunch of different times, but you know, the, the most difficult person to lead is always yourself. Yep. And, um, man, it's such a good word, which you just now said, I, you know, especially guys like us, you know, that have very type A personalities, you know, it's like kind of, I've always had like an all or nothing mentality. And, um, this stage in my life, I'm 37, I'll be 40 in about two years. Cause I, you know, I'm about to have a birthday in January, You're but old. I'm getting very old and you know, it's, and you start to think, you know, the, 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 the patterns and the habits that I'm building right now, I'm trying to build over that's going to last me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so I'm thinking more and more like, 
a culture, a mm-hmm. lifestyle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like, okay, what kind of diet can I do to get to this place in 30 days or 60 days like yeah. I used to when I was a young guy? You know, and um now it's like what what, what kind of what kind of eating program can I have that's going to sustain me over a lifetime of health? Yeah. Or what kind of exercise program can I have that's going to sustain me over a lifetime of health? And so thinking like that versus you know, doing something right away automatically when you choose to lead yourself, mm-hmm. it's it's very helpful. So guys will say, like, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, you know, and they get 17 days behind, you know, and they're like, oh, I can't do this, you know. And so just taking off, like, biting off small pieces, yeah. you know, and, and moving forward in, in the obedience to taking care of yourself and understanding that it is a spiritual principle. You can't lead your church or your family or anybody else if if you are not well. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Hey guys, so I've got good news for you. We had so much content recording this episode that we've actually decided to go ahead and make it into two episodes. So congratulations, you're going to get another bonus episode. We will have one coming out next Monday, which is Christmas Eve, and you'll get part two uh, of this episode where we're talking about five things uh, that can derail any church plant. So be on the lookout for that episode next week. And until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.